Hi, this is Polly with another episode of Conversations with Psychics, podcasts to help us find out what psychics do, how they do it and why. Join me in discovering that they are everyday people who do extraordinary things. Hi guys, this episode is going to be a bit different because I'm going to be doing the talking. I'm going to be talking about past lives because the person who taught me all about it very sadly died nearly 10 years ago. So I'm going to try and tell you what she taught me. Right, here goes. If there's one subject that brings about guffaws of disbelief, it's past lives. People say, prove it, you can't, so it's not true, is it? Followed by a roll of the eyes. Or surely you don't believe that, do you? Even one of my very best friends still does that to me. But here's the thing, nearly 20% of the world's population believe in it. That's based on religion and points us towards Asian traditions, as one might expect. But this is the real eye-opener. 25% of Americans and 27% of the UK believe in reincarnation. That's huge. And even philosophical giants believed in some form of rebirth, from Pythagoras, Socrates to Plato, to name a few. So surely it's not quite as flaky and weird as all the scoffs and head shakings suggest. It's actually bizarre that more people believe in reincarnation than in horoscopes, a measly 15%. Yet virtually every mainstream newspaper has a page of stars. So how did I even come to believe in reincarnation? For some strange reason, I was about 12 when I woke up in bed and thought, I believe in life after death. I remember it well, sitting bolt upright with that thought in my head. I've no idea where that came from, but the belief has never left me. Obviously, believing in life after death isn't the same as believing in reincarnation, but it's definitely a precursor. I went the whole nine yards to reincarnation thanks to the amazing good fortune to be taught about past lives by a woman called Mitzi Brandt. I'm not talking about just a couple of classes or a weekend course. I'm talking about 20 years of teaching, during which time she not only shared past life theories, but showed me how my past lives were affecting my current life. Mitzi was a true spiritual teacher. She became everything to me, not just a spiritual guide, but my best friend, my mother, my grandmother, all wrapped into one. Before she died, age 93, I saw her for one last time, and as she lay in her bed, I told her she was an angel, and I meant it. Being Mitzi, she just chuckled and said, Don't be so silly, darling. It's her teachings that I want to impart now. First things first, how did I have the extraordinary good luck to meet Mitzi? Well, Mitzi came into my life when I was sliding into anorexia. She was introduced to me by someone I met just once called Anna. Anna was a spiritual sort and I happened to mention that I was seeing scary ghoulish faces at night. I told her it had gone on for months. Every night these twisted, blood-covered faces loomed out at me. Not only that, but hands reached out of the darkness like a child grabbing for sweets. One hand or two hands, always in black and white, sometimes with the cuff of a robe around a wrist. At other times I'd see a single eye in black and white just staring at me, often blinking slowly, right up close to my face, so close I could see the eyelashes. I hadn't slept properly for ages. I think that's why it had come up. Anna and I were staying with mutual friends and I'd had to sleep with the lights on all night as I was terrified of the ghouls, hands and eyes. At best, I put it down to an overactive imagination, but Anna, being spiritually experienced, knew that scary faces, hands and eyes were probably something to do with past life memory. 
She contacted her friend Mitzi, who in turn wrote to me with past life information. Over the years, Mitzi must have told me 30 lives or so, some horrendous, some lovely. It was almost like the floodgates opened and no sooner had one come up and issues in this life melted away, but another life would come in with its own new set of memories and triggers. There was no chronological order. They seemed to be pertinent to exactly what I was experiencing and feeling at the time. So I might get a life from BC and then I'd get a life in the 13th century and then I'd go back to BC. It went like that. I have to say that despite all the hours Mitzi put into it, all the information, her support and friendship, she never once charged me for it. I can only assume that my debt to her is to go some small way to pass on her healing message. To that end, I'll do my very best to give it the diligence she'd expect from me and that I owe her. Before I go any further, I just want to say I was never Cleopatra or Joan of Arc or anyone cool. Most of my lives involve pockmarked drudgery, family gripes and dying of starvation. The most glamorous life had me working with the Knights Templars, with the occasional chance to ride with them, but only if I stayed at the back and out of sight. The worst lives involved magicking up spells with other ne'er-do-wells and witchy covens. I'll tell you about a couple of those lives today. The theory behind reincarnation is that we repeatedly return to this, the physical plane to learn. These lessons are not necessarily straightforward. Of course we need to learn about things like kindness, but we may also need to learn and understand self-worth, standing up for ourselves, finding our voice, knowing what's right and wrong, or just following our intuition. Ultimately, we learn to the extent that our souls are perfected. We no longer carry feelings like greed or envy. We are empathetic, understanding, compassionate and forgiving. We just exist as we are meant to, as pure love. Just think Dalai Lama and you get a whiff of what we're meant to aim for. Put like that, you start to see why we have to return so many times. I'm told this isn't so much about punishment. We return to understand how our actions affect somebody else and to learn what that feels like so that we don't do it again. Part of this theory is karma, which Mitzi referred to as a system of debits and credits from the things that we have unfortunately all done in other lives that have to be balanced out at some time or other. This we choose to do when the time is right. She went on to say, We have all done dreadful things in the past, all of us. Most of us will have dabbled in witchcraft, most of us will have murdered someone, most of us will have betrayed someone. And we've all been treated badly and had terrifying experiences that have scarred our souls. Left to die on battlefields, abandoned, poisoned, dying in childbirth. We've all experienced bad things. Mitzi wrote, Whenever there is trauma from a past life we have not yet faced and dealt with, it is locked into your body waiting for the right time to be released. The same can be said of the present life, but here we're talking about past life trauma. She went on, When the time is right to deal with the trauma, our higher self knows when, and this right time is often when the right help is available. We experience the emotions connected with that memory and often certain physical symptoms that went with it. If we were betrayed by someone then, we can feel they're betraying us now, even if it seems ridiculous. And if we were jealous of someone in a previous life, we can feel irrationally jealous of that person now, even if on paper there is no reason to feel that jealousy. If someone murdered us, then we feel the same fear about them now, but we don't know why. If we hated ourselves for some reason then, we can hate ourselves now with no clue why. Going on, Mitzi used to say that very often the emotions we experienced at the time of death are the emotions that wash over us in this present life, as these are extremely powerful emotions. The kind of emotions will range from terror to despair to hopelessness to revenge. 
And often we experience physical sensations like burning, drowning, bleeding out, or wooziness like drifting in and out of consciousness, choking, being stabbed or beaten. You may also have physical birthmarks that relate to a previous life or an unexplained and new pain on your body that doesn't respond to medical treatment. These sorts of emotions and physical symptoms can be triggered by someone in this life who harmed you in a previous life, so those emotions may only be experienced in relation to that person in this life. You might just be furious and angry with one person in this life. They really get on your nerves. Meanwhile, everyone else is fine. It's all tickety-boo with them. It's just this one person that's driving you mad. Equally well, you may trigger in another person their feelings about you. They may act apparently irrationally or angrily towards only you in this life and everyone else seems to be unscathed. Of course, this can also mean very positive feelings are triggered. If you were married to someone in a former life and it was a very happy marriage, you may feel similar feelings in this life, perhaps irrationally. Great friends seem to have had good lives together in the past too. Sometimes you meet someone or have a relationship with someone in this life and it feels like you knew them before. The relationship may be fleeting in this life, but for some reason you've connected again. To say things that you didn't say in a previous life, or to thank them perhaps, or to tell them that you love them dearly when you didn't get the chance to tell them before. Who knows? Here's a question that I get asked. How do you know if a past life is in play and affecting your life? Well, I have learnt that a sign that a past life memory could have come into present consciousness is how a situation can suddenly change for better or worse. Where you've really liked someone, suddenly you hate them or vice versa. Where you've not noticed someone, suddenly you're obsessed with them. Where things have been going well, overnight they turn totally sour. It seems that something in this life, in the here and now, can trigger a memory, a word, a piece of clothing, food, a sound, anything can put you or another straight back into the memory of the past. It might be something they've said or done, it could be a look they gave you, the way they ate their apple, or just a smell that reminded your subconscious of a past life. Or it may just be the right moment. The other telltale sign is that you or someone else starts acting irrationally and out of character. As it is a memory from a different time, it can lead you to think and behave differently, to the point that you don't feel yourself and barely recognise your thoughts and behaviours. You know when you think, I don't know what I'm doing, or this isn't like me, or I don't feel like myself at all, or even why am I so angry with that person when I was fine with them yesterday? When I get those sorts of feelings, I stop and think, oi oi, is this a past life that's come in? Mitzi also said that we need to bring lives into consciousness to deal with them once and for all. She wrote, it must be fully realised that these past lives are causing the problems we experience now. It is from these lives, when still buried in the subconscious, that so many of our fears, hates and so on emanate. Once they are brought into consciousness, the rational mind can deal with them and you can let them go for good. Whilst they are still caught up in the emotional level of our being, they are totally cut off from any logical reasoning mind. Then, no amount of reasoning helps us to eliminate them. This changes once these unhappy memories are made conscious. We can then deal with them in a rational manner. I have to say, though, that being given past life information isn't a quick fix. As she would say, being given past life information is not a means to sidestep the emotional hard work. You have to do the work beforehand. You have to live out the karma. By the time the past life information on a particular subject is given to you, you can be sure you paid in full for whatever misdeed you may have done. Until that is so, the information always seems to be withheld. With the karma over, 
You are being given the information so that you can let the trauma lift and transform it back into pure energy for you to use positively. The past life information can help you bring it through, cleanse and move on, but you still have to do your duty. Mitzi always advised reflecting on their lives, forgiving everyone involved and then moving on. She'd say it all has to be comprehended, assimilated and understood and worked through. She'd say that we are only given the understanding of the lives so that we can let them go, not so that we feel angry or guilty about what happened. She also said that forgiving oneself is often much harder than forgiving others for misdeeds they have done to us. But it is vitally important to forgive ourselves too and replace it with love. Sometimes a life can be so awful, so devastating that once you've been given the life, you need extra help to fully transmute it. I also found that once you've dealt with one issue from one life, a new issue from a different life can rear up sometimes almost immediately for clearing. To that end, just being given one life may not fulfil all the healing that needs to be done. It can get very intense working through one life after another. And sometimes I'd say to Mitzi, please, can I have a rest? I just need a break. (laughs) So what are the effects? What happens after you get a life? The staggering effect of being given a past life is how it can bring about almost immediate change. As Mitzi relayed a life to me in letters or later on by phone, I would feel quite literally physically lighter. It's a hackneyed expression, but it did feel like a cloud lifted off my shoulders. Almost overnight, entire situations would change. Where I'd been afraid of someone, it just disappeared. Where I couldn't face something, I could. Things that got on my nerves melted away. Even the ghouls evaporated, never to be experienced again. It wasn't always this immediate, but I think the fact it did happen so quickly on occasions goes to show the terrific power that past lives have over us and how dealing with them brings about positive change. At the very least, knowing what happened in the past can help you understand the present on a much deeper level and so aid much deeper healing. But sometimes it can take quite a long time for things to lift. As Mitzi said, we are always told that time has no meaning whatsoever, so it doesn't matter in the least whether it takes you one hour or one week or one year or longer. All that matters is that you let it all go in due course and that you accept these lives from the past as lives that can no longer hurt you. It is not necessary or even often desirable to tell the past life information to the other people who were involved. They may not either have the need, they may have already dealt with any karma involved in full, or be ready or able to hear the information and deal with it in a conscious, positive way. As long as one person involved faces the trauma, forgives and lets it go, it will gradually unravel or lift from the others who were involved too. The other person may not be conscious of it lifting, but with all these patterns being made known to you, it will influence others. This is on account of the fact that there is no separation between any of us. The reason for this is that although we are all individuals, seemingly separate, we are all part of the one power. Good or bad, we all share some measure of that power together inseparably. So as you become aware of these things at some level, it will connect with others and impact them too. By the time I received Mitzi's first letter, I had moved from the UK to Australia to start a new job. Things were not going well at all. By then I had become fully anorexic and I was diagnosed as such. I looked awful, wretched and haunted. I'd also taken a vehement dislike to my father, which was weird as we'd always had a fantastic relationship. As if that wasn't bad enough, I'd become very suspicious of the duo that was my middle brother and mother. It felt as though they were ganging up on me and whispering about me behind my back. It's strange how vividly a past life memory can influence present day perception. That first letter from Mitzi contained two lives, 
with extraordinary information about witchcraft, starvation and self-hatred. Bear in mind, she'd never talked to me and never met me. All she'd had was Anna saying there was this person called Polly who was seeing monsters at night and getting a bit on the thin side. But the information was mind-blowing and started to bring understanding. I do realise that describing a past life is about as interesting as a work colleague droning on about the dream they had the night before. So I'll try and keep it to the absolute bare bones. The first life Mitzi told me about took place in Australia. It was very primitive, a primeval life during the Lemurian age, very, very far back, she wrote. In a nutshell, my father and I were involved in witchcraft. My father was the head of a coven and I was drawn into the coven by him. We weren't related. My father and I lured in and sacrificed my mother. She wasn't my mother in that life. She was just somebody we picked on. We were then murdered by someone who had loved her and found out what we'd done. My middle brother now, in this life, was also part of the witchcraft group, but again, I wasn't related to him in that life. Back to the present, thousands of years later, karma came knocking on my door in the form of memories about what I'd done, the tormenting shame of taking it as far as not just witchcraft, but also human sacrifice, winkled its way into my consciousness. Not only had I suddenly loathed and feared my father in this present life, but Mitzi wrote that because I joined the witches out of my own volition, the karma has been terrible. You now hate yourself because you allowed yourself to be drawn into it. The hobgoblins and so on you see at night come from that very stuff all these primitive and superstitious people were fed with. Because of your own guilt, you have been tormented by them. She carried on, I think you wrote that these hobgoblins always used to come at 3am. The significance of the time is that that is the time you were murdered in that life. I later found out from her that often the time of death will replay in the present day. Given all that, it's not entirely surprising that my mother preferred the company of my middle brother in this life. I had, after all, sacrificed her all those centuries before. It's not known what happened to the brother, given he was a bigwig in the coven. Maybe he claimed he wasn't involved or managed to get away in time. There's no knowing because that's his business. You don't get the lives of other people unless it's related to you. The second life occurred in Wales in the 13th century. There were many other lives in between, but this is the order they were given to me. Mitzi wrote, Polly was again involved with witchcraft. She was the daughter of her present mother. The mother found out what was going on. Polly felt great shame and a humiliation at being found out and became horrified at what she had done. She then just cut herself off and walked away from life into a desert, the moors and mountains, and there starved herself to death, full of shame, humiliation and horror at her actions. I'm not about to suggest that anorexia is caused by witchcraft. No, not at all. But I am saying the memory of self-hatred I came to feel in that life bubbled into this life, and it is that self-hatred that potentially contributed to anorexia. That's because you have to really hate yourself to be anorexic. And boy, did I hate myself in this life. I'm not saying it's the only reason for anorexia or the only source of self-hatred, but certainly a powerful memory of feeling that way. I was also obviously re-enacting starvation. About a month later, a second letter arrived with two more lives. The themes were rejection and worthlessness. I'll only recount one of them because the second is really complicated if you don't know the people. This life took place in the Middle East in the 5th century. It involved a love triangle. I was a woman and was in love with a man. I thought my affections were reciprocated as that's how the man acted towards me. But actually, the man was seeing someone else behind my back. Eventually, he totally rejected me in favour of the other woman. 
Mitzi wrote that I was utterly dejected and humiliated, and of course, in those times, the shame of rejection was even more damning, pretty much making you untouchable and undesirable to anybody else. So who was the man and who was the other woman? The man was my mother in this life, and the other woman was my brother in this life. The life threw light on why I felt my mother and brother were ganging up on me in this life. Not only that, because past life memories can overlap. Combine this life with the life where I'd sacrificed my mother and you get some pretty heavy memories and dynamics going on. Before you ask, no, I can't prove any of these lives. But is it really possible to prove the life of a nobody from centuries ago? There aren't any records, so probably not. For more rigorous analysis, try reading Roger Wilger or Brian Weiss. They'll do a much better job than I ever could. There's also a really interesting book called Beyond the Ashes by Rabbi Gershom about cases of reincarnation from the Holocaust. As I've mentioned, Mitzi gave me many, many lives over the 20 years I knew her. I say gave as being told a past life and how it's impacting your present life is a gift. They explained irrational feelings I was having about me, my family and many other situations, including romances, friends, even work colleagues. As Mitzi wrote, difficulties between people can be traced back through multiple lives together. So you may have treated your present mother badly in one life, but before that she treated you badly, and before that you treated her badly, and so on. The themes always seem to relate to each other. If I'd been controlling in one life, I'd be controlled in another. If my mother had been possessive in one life, I'd be possessive in another towards her. The roles, genders, relationships and situations changed but issues were consistent. You need to be able to track back to the source life to be able to understand the dynamic and clear it once and for all. Without a doubt, Mitzi's work healed the relationship with my father. In addition to the witchcraft life mentioned here, she gave me several other lives with my father. Not only did I feel positive about him again, but the effect went a million miles further than before. I found virtues in my father that I had not noticed previously, such as his remarkable ability to forgive. She once told me that when lives no longer get in the way of the present, you do see incredible virtues in people you were unable to see before. I am eternally grateful to Mitzi for healing my relationship with my father. When he eventually died in 2010, there wasn't any bad feeling between us. Had he died with bad feeling between us, I would have been utterly heartbroken. In addition, it seems there are times when groups of people who have been together in the past regroup in this life and subconsciously act out what they did in a previous life. It seems that this can quite frequently happen in the workplace today, where those people may have lived in the same village or committed the same atrocity in a previous life. And here's another thought. The final transformation back to pure energy and full health, although the norm, has its exceptions in the terminally ill. In these cases, when the information is given... Though their karma has been played out, their higher selves have chosen to live out that illness. So how does this all come about then? Well, when we are on the other side in spirit, we choose the lessons we want to learn in this life and the circumstances for that learning to occur. For example, I chose my parents because they provided lessons directly related to them, lives we've had together and finding my voice, which has been a recurring theme. Equally, my parents provided the springboard for learning in other ways, by providing upbringing, education and knowledge, which I needed. Something I've had to deal with quite a bit are suicidal thoughts. And Mitzi said that when it comes to suicide, unfortunately, it means that in some later life, and we decide when we will do this, we have to again face some similar circumstances to those which led us to the state of mind whereby we decided to take our own life. We may even act out similar circumstances from a previous life in this life. 
I don't recall discussing the next point with Mitzi, but I personally believe some people are incarnated to teach others. For example, a child who is mute and deaf may have chosen to come here to teach someone else something they needed to learn. That isn't to say it's a ticking off or punishment, so much as helping them experience something they might not otherwise get the chance to. That's a truly selfless incarnation. Equally, I do believe that some people with disabilities are very experienced souls who have come here to face some of the toughest lessons on earth. When I see people with disabilities, I always think to myself that they are very high souls who are probably in their last life here on earth. And again, a massive high five. Something else I believe is that once a soul has mastered the earth plane, they may move on to other dimensions. Sometimes they will reincarnate again here on earth to help with a particular situation or give guidance that is needed. However, I do have a sneaking suspicion that Mitzi was on her last life here in a human body, but I can't be sure. Mitzi also taught that in addition to the karmic patterns of debit credit of the past, we also become involved in many recurring patterns of existence. We become involved over and over again in similar patterns. For example, one gets the kind of person who is always the victim or always the slave. This is slightly different from karma. Recurring patterns occur because at some point in the past we have experienced some sort of tragically negative life and have died in this negative state of mind, probably very tragically, and it is the state of mind in which we actually die that can cause such negative effects in later lives. This is because the memory of this death and the circumstances which led up to the death become entrapped in this emotional plane of being, what is called the astral plane, which is the vehicle of all our emotions. Once entrapped there, that negative memory will cause us to keep on re-experiencing similar patterns as that which caused the original death. This is because we draw to us that which is in our emotions, which is why it is so important to think positively. The more lives in which we act out this pattern, the stronger it becomes. We can really only break these negative patterns by understanding the cause and thus eliminating the unhappy negative emotions from our being once and for all time. Mitzi and I used to talk a lot about a recurring pattern that I had, which was of being pushed out of things and feeling that I didn't have any voice, which is partly why I do all these podcasts now, to overcome that. Just to be clear, Mitzi was the first to say that we shouldn't live our lives in the past. Everything that we are today is a sum of those lives and the first port of call is in the present. However, for some of us, the language of past lives is a way to help understand and deal with the present. I have to say, though, it's not to everyone's liking. It is quite tough and shocking in some circumstances. Also, sometimes Mitzi would say that an issue was not anything to do with the past life at all, but totally rooted in this life. No blaming it on a past life then. I can't say believing in reincarnation is easy. It brings with it a whole bunch of pressures. If we foul it up in the present life, we have to deal with it in another life. If we commit suicide in this life, we have to come back and do it all again. There's literally no let out clause. Often I think it would be easier to believe that when we die, that's the end of it. Bing, bang, bosh. What a relief. Sadly, it's not. And we are totally accountable for every single thing we do in each and every one of our lives. So there we have it. Past lives. I have to end by thanking Mitzi for everything she did for me. Mitzi, I can't thank you enough for everything you did for me and everything you taught me. I hope I've done justice to your teachings, wisdom, kindness, friendship and love. I know we had a life in Egypt way back when, but who knows when or if we'll meet again. If you do come back to the earth plane, wherever we'll be, whatever language we're talking in, whatever we're doing, we can say... 
house tricks to each other like you always did to me and have a really good old catch-up just to say all my love and eternal gratitude to you. Thank you, Mitzi. Love, Polly.